ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Welcome back to the No Higher Calling podcast. So we have been doing something a little different recently, having Simeon join me on the podcast, uh, leading the conversation a little bit more so that all the, the ladies that are represented by No Higher Calling, if you're married, um, that you can grab your husband and join in with us on some conversations that go beyond just women, um, really into family and the home. We did that recently. Uh, he tackled the topic of dads and homeschooling. I hope that was a blessing to you. Um, but he's back today to jump in on kind of a uh, little bit more difficult topic. So if you get to the end of this and you have any issues, blame them on him. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm so glad to have him on here to talk about uh, conviction standards and preferences. So we wanted to, um, we wanted to address something. Brittany and I have had a conversation, many, many, many conversations about our upbringing, our, our, um, the way we were raised and, um, the church situation that we were raised in and some things when, especially when we first got married and we really had to develop what our own belief systems were, uh, from the scripture. And we're, you know, the Bible says that when people get married, they, the man leaves his father and mother and cleaves into his wife and they start a new thing. And so we were starting a new thing and we needed to start that new thing on something solid. So we had this conversation and we've had it many times since about convictions, standards, and preferences. And for us, those were not always clear-cut lines, and so I wanted to address that somewhat biblically. And to do that, um, I was just going to talk a little bit about my own story, and Brittany can chime in with hers if she wants to, but growing up, we were in a good church, good solid church. I love the pastor, still love the pastor, still have many conversations with him. Um, But we, my family was very freshly Christian, really baby Christians when I was growing up. And so a lot of the things we did, uh, we did them because everybody else in the church did them. And we called them convictions or we called them standards. And we didn't really know why exactly a lot of the time we did the things that we did. And many of the things that we did as I was growing up went by the wayside and we never, we didn't do them anymore. There was never really an explanation or a conversation as to why we didn't do them anymore. They just kind of stopped. And so that can be confusing, especially as a young person growing up. And when Brittany and I got married, some of those things I'd already kind of figured out for myself. Um, but we needed to deal with some of those things in our own heart and mind. We'll get into that a little bit. But to do that, you have to define what actually is a conviction. What actually is a standard? What's a what's a preference? And what is the difference between those three things? Because if everything's a conviction then you're standing on pretty rock solid. You're saying you're standing on something that's rock solid. And then when it washes out from under you, you're lost. And I think what has happened in modern Christianity is so many things took a black and white rock solid stand on things that weren't black and white and things that weren't rock solid. And then when we grew up and we became our own people, and we had our own homes and real life hit us. Those things weren't as rock solid as we thought they were. And we had the tendency as then to wash out. And this can be difficult to navigate too, um, because 
obviously, hopefully if you follow along with the podcast, you would know um, that we see the Bible as absolute truth. I mean, when you have these questions, when you're trying to figure out these things for your family, um, all of that comes straight from God's word. But what Simeon really is talking about here is some of these uh, more nuanced things, I guess, of, you know, well, this believer does it this way or this believer does it that way. And when you're coming to that as a new family, um, you're trying to figure out, well, where where do we fit? What does God's word really have to say? And what does that look like for us? Um, now we're going to hopefully lay the bedrock. Um, conviction is built on the Bible. Um, but then you get into some of this standard and preference, and that can look a little bit different as you just try to glorify God in your choices. Um, my growing up was very similar to Simeon's. I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, he used the term baby Christians for his parents. Mine mine was similar. Um, really, as I was growing up physically, uh, my parents were growing up spiritually. And um, so the Lord, it was a growing process and, and this is always a growing process. You know, I am sure that we are going to be, uh, well, Lord willing one day we'll be grandparents watching our children parent. And I hope that they are doing that, um, from a point further down the sanctification journey than where we are now. And um, we're all growing, learning, we make our mistakes, um, and we try to pick up and move from there. But I think this really hit us when we had our first and um, it's just a different world today, too, than the world that we grew up in. Um, and the realization that we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. And I mean, you know, there's all all levels of persecution um, in the world today. I'm thankful that we live in a place that is free and that we don't suffer persecution like some people do around this world. But we are seeing a growing animosity, a growing spirit of antichrist um, towards believers, towards the Bible, towards these biblical convictions. So we realized as parents, if we're going to truly hold to something as conviction for ourselves, for our family, as we try to instruct the next generation and impacting our children we need to make sure that we have a Bible reason, a Bible answer for them. Because if it's going to be something that you're going to be ridiculed for, maybe that you would even have to die for someday, you need to know why. And knowing why gives you a sure footing to stand on because that sure footing is the foundation of truth of God and his word. So um, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 Paul writes to Timothy and says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There's two absolute words in there. The first one is all. So everybody, if you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, that includes you. If you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, the second absolute word is shall, will certainly suffer persecution. That doesn't mean you're going to have rocks thrown at you necessarily, um, but it does mean that there is going to be some form of persecution. And when that persecution comes, you are not going to stand on anything that you don't have bedrock for. So here it is. Uh, let's just get some, some definitions out of the way. And when we have those definitions in our brains, we can understand the conversation better. So we'll start there. Let me clarify really quick. This episode is not to ruffle feathers and try to draw lines um, and say that you should hold to all of our conviction standard and preferences. It's really just a, a desire from people that really have reached out to us and asked so many specific questions, really falling in these three different categories. Um, it's just a heart to try to help families 
to navigate through classifying things in these three areas. And I think when you can put them in one of these categories, it helps you be able to to solidify and navigate what your family believes and why and how you're going to instruct your children, how you're going to talk to other families when situations arise, how you're going to deal with grandparents or family members that have, might have differing opinions. And Simeon's going to touch on that. But I just wanted to put that at the beginning here, um, that that is what our intent for this episode is. Right. And you can't know how to handle something that conflicts with your own personal way of doing things, unless you know in what category that particular thing falls for you. So um, the first thing we'll go through is the first definition is the definition of a conviction. This is my definition. This is not a a Webster's or anything. Um, But the definition that I've put down here is a conviction is bedrock spiritual truth that is non-negotiable and not interpretive. What I mean by interpretive is you can't look at the scripture and see it any other way, okay? Not if you're looking at the scripture properly, that is. Um, You can misinterpret the scripture, um, but we know that the scripture is not of any private interpretation. So the scripture means what it means. You can't twist it or wring its arm to make it say something else. If you look at the scripture and it says, thou shalt not kill, that is pretty clear. Thou shalt not steal, all right? So when I read thou shalt not steal, I know by conviction, that theft is wrong. All right. It's pretty clear. All right. So that's a conviction. It's a bedrock spiritual truth that is non-negotiable and not interpretive. For me, this would be things like tithing, baptism, church membership, etc. Um, all right. So a standard, a standard is an action or rule that is set up to aid in following our convictions. It is always based on scriptural principles. Okay, so a standard is already not as strong as a conviction. A conviction is something that's bedrock. A standard is something that I have set up for myself that is an action or a rule set up to aid in the following of my convictions. And this one is based on scriptural principles. These are things that are going to be taught throughout the Bible. They're not necessarily taught as thou shalts and thou shalt nots, but rather principles that you can find all throughout the scripture. I would say two Proverbs is probably a really good book here, um, where you know it doesn't have the thou shouts like Exodus might. Right. Um, Proverbs has a lot more biblical wisdom in a principled way. Right. And the things that we find in Proverbs are not always promises either. So, you know, like there's the scripture that talks about how if you raise your children a certain way, they shall stand before kings. Is that promising you that your kid's literally going to stand before a king someday? No, it's giving you an example that your child, a principle that if you do this, your children will be successful. All right. So these are things that are in Proverbs. They're not thou shalt, they're not thou shalt nots, but they're principles. Um, They're found all throughout the scriptures, but Proverbs is a good place to find them. Um, The last one is preferences. Preferences are actions and personal rules that are set to aid in the keeping of our standards and convictions. And these are highly personal. Okay, meaning my preferences are going to be very, very different sometimes from your preferences on on different things because it breaks down as it goes. So conviction is the most rock solid, non-negotiable standards are semi negotiable, but they're really still based on the scripture. Preferences are very much negotiable. And I think, too, the preferences aren't even necessarily a black and white here Um, because that often falls. You know, we're a family of. What are we now? Six. 
<laughs> you know, and uh, we have very different personalities within our home. Now, four of those six are still very young and developing their personalities. Um, but even in Simeon and I, we have different preferences um, in things. Uh, for example, we have a conviction on the type of music that we listen to. Um, that leads to a standard of the type of music that we listen to. But as far as preference goes, we have a slightly different preference. Um, and that's okay because the preference falls under the submission to the standard and the conviction. Right. So this is a pyramid scheme in the right sense of the word, <laughs> right? The bedrock, the basis, the bottom um, is going to be your conviction. And built upon the conviction is your standard. And built upon your convictions and your standards are your preferences in that order. Um, so here's just a, an example, and we'll go through a couple of these. But an example of a conviction that you can find in the scripture, bedrock, uh, no argument, is that sexual thought and action uh, outside of marriage is sinful and must be avoided at all costs. All right? I think that is very clear in scripture that outside of marriage thought and action that is sexual in nature is to be avoided at all costs. So to do something would be a sin. I can hold to that conviction. Now, I personally have a standard that helps me to keep that conviction. The standard is that I personally do not develop close personal relationships with the opposite sex that do not involve my spouse. So I might have female friends but those female friends are also my wife's female friends, okay? They're people that she uh, is in contact with and are close to. I don't meet with those people alone. We don't go to lunch because of my personal standard. Is it sinful for me to go to a lunch? No. But it's my personal standard that keeps me from doing something that could lead me to actions that are not good, right? So I'm keeping a personal standard. Uh, famously, Mike Pence gets ridiculed all the time for not going or being in a room alone with a woman ever because he has a conviction and he holds to his conviction by keeping a standard. Okay. Then a preference, an example of a preference along the same vein would be that I do not spend time alone with any woman who is not my spouse, including coworkers and church members. So if there are three of us in a room, two of us are men, and one's a woman, and the man walks out. I'm going to walk out with him. That is not, again, it's not a sin to stay in the same room, but it's a preference that I do that helps me to keep my standard and my convictions solid. Um, so, again, the, the preferences might differ a little bit from person to person. The standards might even differ, although they should be very similar because the standards are based upon our convictions and scriptural principles that we find. So how do we follow that in Proverbs? Well, in Exodus, we find thou shalt not commit adultery. There's a, there is a conviction. Jesus said, if you think about a woman um, to lust after her, that you have committed adultery with her. So there's the conviction. Thought and action, it's sin. In Proverbs, we find go not nigh to her house. Does that mean it is sinful to walk past a person's house? No. It's not a hard, fast, and rule. But Proverbs is saying, here's a standard for you. Don't even go near the sin. What's Joseph do when he's tempted with sexual sin? He runs. He runs away as fast as he can. Would it be sinful for Joseph to stay and continue doing his job? Not necessarily. But the right thing for him was to hold to his standard and get out of there. All right? And then the principle would be something as simple as don't even put yourself in a situation where you have to run. Right? Now, Joseph's was different. He had to do it. He was a slave. But um, to try to 
do things that keep yourself from even approaching that particular problem? When I think of convictions too, I think of it as something that I do because I want to obey Christ. Um, you know, and then when you have standards, um, I do it because I want to glorify Christ. Um, in in the standards that I set, trying to obey those convictions. And then with preferences, um, I want to grow in my walk with Christ. Therefore, I try to have my preferences um, be things that will glorify Christ with my standards, that will ultimately obey Christ through my convictions. Right. So how do you how do you get convictions, first of all? How do you get standards? How do you get preferences? Well, I think we've kind of gone through it already um, a little bit, but convictions are possibly the easiest one to come up with because they just come from the Bible. They come from the simple, clear teaching of the scripture and from comparing scripture with scripture. Those are pretty clean cut. Now we call them conviction. What does the word conviction mean? That's something that comes from the Holy Spirit. Your flesh will not convict you of anything ever. You might feel guilty. Like guilt and conviction are not the same thing. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job, according to the book of the Gospel of John, is to remind you of the things that are in the Scripture. So convictions come from the Scripture. They're the clear-cut thou shalt, thou shalt nots, or the things that we find that are obviously true in the Bible. Um, then standards. Standards are things that we find by comparing Scripture with Scripture and biblical principles. Biblical principles are not hard and fast rules. They are things that you find all throughout the Bible that have a tendency. So for instance, many, many people in the Old Testament had more than one wife. Many famous people throughout the Old Testament had more than one wife. But it is clear from the abundance of Scripture that it's a bad idea to have more than one wife. It never, not one time in the Scripture turned out to be a good idea. Never was it a good thing to have more than one wife in the Scripture. So there is clear, clear teaching there that, and I even hold a conviction that it is oh, wrong yeah. Go back to, to have more than one, one wife. Or Gen Genesis, yeah, Genesis 1, Genesis I guess. Genesis 1, yeah. Yeah. Right from the get-go. One get man, go. one woman. Genesis chapter 3 and Genesis 2 and 3 make that even more clear, too. But um, the God's design is one man, one woman, and that's clear. And I can hold to that as a conviction by compiling the totality of the Scripture. But the point is that there is a difference between a conviction and a standard. A standard is not the same thing as a conviction. A standard is something that you set up for yourself to help you hold to the things that you know are certain in the Scripture, and you have Scriptures to back them up. Then a preference. And we said a preference is a thing that helps you to keep your standards and your convictions. Now remember, your convictions you know are bedrock solid. They're not going to change. Your standards are things that you've set up to help you hold to your convictions. So they're not necessarily going to always be the same for every person. They should be very close, but they're not going to be exactly the same. Your preferences, even much more so, are not going to be exactly the same from family to family. Our family, for instance, um, we sit together as a family at church. That's just something that we do. And we've made it very clear to our kids that's what we do. When our kids are... 16, and they ask, hey, can I sit with so-and-so? They should already know the answer is no, we sit together as a family. But when they become their own family and they have their own kids, 
if they don't sit together as a family, am I going to tell them that that's a sin? Well, no, it's, it's, it's not a sin to sit with somebody else at church. That would be a silly thing for me to say. And yet, in so many Christian circles, we have a tendency to judge other people that don't do things exactly the same way that we do when they're not actually things that are convictions found straight from the scripture, but just standards that they have set up for themselves and we've set up to help us follow our convictions. I think too, you, there needs to be a margin for grace. Um, None of us are perfect. We are all growing. We are all walking this sanctification journey. And you know, Simeon and I may come back to this episode in five, 10 years and be like, oh my goodness, wow, we could share so much more wisdom than what we felt like we were sharing at the time. And and I hope so, because I hope that we are continuing to grow in Christ-likeness. But we need to realize for ourselves, as we're teaching our children, um, you know, sometimes, hopefully convictions won't change. Um, hopefully that those will stay true as you are just trying to immerse your home and your heart in God's word. But sometimes these standards and preferences get tweaked a little bit along the way. For example, um, you know, we have a conviction that what we let enter our eye gate glorifies the Lord. Um, the Bible gives are good. Just yes. honest. From Philippians, report. Philippians 4 8. True, honest, just pure, lovely. Um, you know, though in, in Corinthians it says, casting down imaginations and any high thing that exalted itself among the above the knowledge of Christ. Um, you know, he David says, I will set no evil thing before my eyes. We have a, a very strong conviction on that. Um, standard-wise, that breaks it down a little more nitty-gritty. We're not gonna watch these type of shows. We're gonna be uh, very cautious with these ratings, which anymore, I mean, you can't even watch the lowest ratings without having to filter something, it seems. Um, but our standard comes into play there. Now, for our personal preference, we do not have a TV in our home. Um, I We're probably in the minority on that, and that's okay. We're not going to judge anyone else that does. That is a choice that we've made as a family, but that is a recent choice. That has come about probably in the past year or so. Um, again, just as we are walking our own sanctification road, seeking to be the family that God has us to be, that is a preference that we now hold to. Um, and, and we had to come to our kids and be like, look, this is what we feel like the Lord is leading us to do as a family. Um, it, obviously, it was a change from there was a before and there's a now. Um, but we, we chose that as a preference. I think one of the things, the key, one of the key things that's missing from the conversation, we haven't even brought it up yet in this conversation, I think one of the key things that's missing from this conversation in the lives of Christians is the matter of conscience. You have a conscience. God gave you a conscience. And the, uh, the old, um, adage, let your conscience be your guide is nonsense. The scripture is supposed to be your guide. Okay. But Paul did put an emphasis on the conscience when he wrote, he said, I have a conscience void of offense. He said that he did everything according to his conscience. That's not saying that his conscience was guiding him, but rather that he worked hard to make sure that his conscience was not offended by his actions. All right? So the Holy Spirit is our guide, and he shows us what's right and what's wrong, but our conscience helps us. It pricks you with that guilty feeling. Again, convictions and guilt are not the same thing, but your conscience will make you, if you have bedrock convictions, will make you feel guilty if you break those convictions. Okay? Um, so the conscience is important. Preferences are personal choices 
that are to aid the following of your conscience. So again, your conscience may be pricked or troubled by something that my conscience isn't pricked or troubled by. And therefore, you might have a preference about one particular thing that doesn't bother me because my sin struggles are different than your sin struggles. For instance, I have never in my life taken a drug, ever. But a person who struggles with that particular temptation is going to have preferences and maybe even standards that are going to be slightly different than mine because his struggles, his personal sin struggles, are different than my personal sin struggles. So those are not going to be identical because that person has to follow both the scripture and his own conscience. So his things are going to be a little different than mine for that reason. He might be a little tighter in one area and looser in another, where I'm tighter in that area and looser in another. That doesn't mean we're not both trying to serve the Lord or follow the convictions that we have should be very similar. But the standards and the preferences that we have will be applied differently because our consciences struggle with different things because we have different sin problems, right? So how do you deal with someone who has differences in these areas? We'll start from the top. How do you deal with someone who has different convictions than you? That's a biggie because convictions are based on bedrock scripture, right? That's what we said. Those are things that we are not willing to compromise on. They're things that we're not willing to change. So you have something you've identified in your own life as a conviction, and now you have somebody that does not agree with that particular conviction. Well, there's different ways to handle that. If it is within your own church, the first thing that you're to do is to edify that person, okay? Edification is the process of teaching them using the word of God. You're not condescending. You're not cruel. You're not mean. You're coming to them and you're encouraging them to follow God's word. You're discipling this person because they don't know something that you know to be true. Okay, let me throw in here because you said something that was really good. To follow God's word. I think that is so key here um, because we tend to be so judgy and pushing of our own thoughts and opinions um, and beliefs. But but really this conviction here, in, in especially in dealing with people who don't agree with us, this is where what we're trying to say here, it's so important that you know your convictions based on God's word so that when you come to someone else who is learning or growing or maybe off the path and you're trying to encourage them to get back in the path of righteousness, that you say, hey, it's not what I say. It's not what we say. It's what God says. And I can point and show it to you. Right. And I have in all capital letters in my notes here, make sure you have concrete Bible. (laughs) And the reason I have it that way is because if you don't have concrete Bible, you have no business telling somebody that they're wrong and that they need to listen to you because it's not you they need to listen to. It's the Bible they need to listen to. It's the scripture. It's the only thing that's going to change their mind and their heart anyway. If you change them and you don't have Bible for it, the Bible has a word for that. It's called hypocrite. All right. This is what the Pharisees did. They put burdens upon people and they weren't willing to lift one of their own fingers is what Jesus said. So don't be that person. Um, But if someone has a difference and it is something that is a conviction of yours that you can prove from the scripture, the right thing to do is to go to them humbly and edify them and teach them. And then within a church, we have an avenue that goes very unused and underused called church discipline. 
Um, that doesn't mean that we want to just throw people out of the church. The church discipline has an entire process that you're supposed to follow because a genuine Christian is going to repent and get right. Church discipline is not to throw out Christians. Church discipline is to throw out unbelievers, and you prove them to be unbelievers because they don't want to listen to the Bible. So that's what church discipline is for. So that is for people in church. If you have another Christian that is not in your church, obviously you can't church discipline them. So the Bible gives us the instruction if someone is not willing to listen, you're still supposed to edify. You're still supposed to try and teach. But if someone's not willing to listen on something that is a bedrock, provable, scriptural conviction, then the Bible gives us the instruction to mark and avoid that person. Unfortunately, throughout Christian history, mark and avoid has been an excuse for um, excommunicating. excommunicating somebody <laughs> that we don't like or we don't agree with. That's not what this is for. This is for uh, someone who is a genuine one, someone obviously who's a heretic, okay, you're going to mark and avoid that person, but also someone who's unwilling to listen to bedrock proven scripture that's clear as day, um, and they're still not willing to listen. You don't have to scream, rant, rave, throw your arms around, um, but you should be able to mark that person and avoid that person because they're not willing to listen to the scripture. They're not going to be able to be a help to you, and you're not going to be able to be a help to them. So the best option is just to avoid them. What about standards? People who have different standards, um, for the most part within your own church, everybody's going to hold to very similar standards, but there are going to be small differences. So if there's another Christian and there happens to be a rub, it's okay to kindly explain your standard if necessary um, with another Christian person. And you're doing so without having any kind of judgment towards them because you have to recognize that your standards are going to be a little bit different from person to person. For the most part, a whole family is going to hold to the same standards if they don't. If a husband and wife aren't holding to the same standards, you're going to have very confused kids. Okay? So husband and wife, you have to hold to the same standards. And, and Brittany, you have a very difficult marriage, too. It's important that the husband and wife seek to be on the same page in this area. Right. And Brittany and I, uh, Brittany said earlier that her preferences about music are slightly different than mine. And that's true. Um, and that's okay. I don't think that's confusing to the kids. Um, but our standard on music is the same and it needs to be the same because otherwise that's just confusing, um, for everybody involved, but especially for the kids. So what do you do if you're dealing with another Christian who does differ on standards slightly? The best thing to do, um, is don't bring it up unless you have to, if you're in a situation where the two of you are having to do something together and the standard is different, um, kindly explain your standard and why you have it, why you hold to it. Um, and don't hold in judgment that person if they don't agree with you completely. I do think here parenting tends to draw out these conversations. Um, whereas if, if you're past, you know, the young child stage or you're not a parent yet, it's my, it might be easier to avoid some of these sticky conversations. Um, but I think the important thing to remember here is what is written in the new Testament that we should always be speaking the truth in love. Um, these conversations aren't always avoidable. Like I said, especially uh, as you're parenting and you've got kids and they've got kids and things are coming up and um, you're having to make some of these decisions for your family. Um, but just to always try to do it out of a spirit of love and not of judgment. And my dad had um, one of his nuggets of wisdom and I've never really forgotten it. Um, but he told me one time, he said he it's never wise to look down on someone who has a tighter standard than you. 
Um, and we do have a tendency to think, oh, well, we have freedom in Christ about certain things. And that's true. But the apostle Paul also wrote, and he said, you know, if you're spending time with someone who believes it's wrong to take of the meats that have been offered to idols, and you don't think there's anything wrong with that, he said, don't take of the meats for their conscience sake, because you don't want to do something that's going to offend them. Right? So whoever has the stronger standard about it, even if you think it's silly or you think it's nonsense, um, the best thing for you to do is when you're in your own home and you're doing your own private thing, you hold to your standard. Um, but if you're going to someone else's home, who's going to be highly offended or even slightly offended, the best thing to do is to hold to their standard. It's also something I think to note here is that we do not allow ourselves to wear a badge of, uh, Christian purism in our convictions and standard, uh, for man's sake. Um, almost as a way of saying, oh, look at me, I'm holier than thou. Simeon referenced the Pharisees. Um, and I think there's so many different of these standards and preferences and all of that. Um, but I know dress just comes to mind. Um, it, it can be a it can be a tricky trap to fall into. We want to glorify Christ with how we dress. We want to dress modestly. Um, we want to to present Christ well. But we are not dressing a certain way so that we can uh, be more modest than so-and-so. I think it's also important to remember that the person with the tightest standard may not necessarily be the most spiritual person. Okay? So, um, I, for instance, a person who really struggles with alcoholism um, or used to struggle with alcoholism, they might avoid going to a place like uh, a restaurant that serves alcohol. They might rather stick to your, uh, your McDonald's or as they call here in Australia, Macca's. Um, they might rather stick to a place like that where they're not so going to have the problem. If you don't go to Applebee's, the option is McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> well, my point, my point is that they're going to avoid a, a place that has alcohol. Okay. Yeah. Um, so would another person have a problem with going to a place like Applebee's or, you know, a, a, well, technically, I guess they call that a sports bar, although I would say that's less less of a bar than other places. But some people may not have any trouble with that. A person who really struggled with alcohol um, before they became a Christian or even after they became a Christian might avoid that kind of place altogether. Now, am I going to invite that guy to go to an Applebee's with me? Well, no. In fact, Paul even says to do that would would be sinful because I'm not just sinning. I may not be sinning against my conscience, but I'm sinning against his conscience. Now, to do something like that not knowingly is one thing, but to do it knowingly is is another thing entirely. You're supposed to hold to the strictest person standard. That doesn't mean that that person owns you. All right. So don't take it to an extreme. That person can't tell you what you can and can't do. Um but if you're wanting to genuinely fellowship with this person, this person's a genuine Christian, they're growing in Christ, it's okay if your standards differ slightly. And the best thing to do, um, like Paul said, is to just abstain from the meat for their sake and um, move on. So what do you do um, with a lost person who holds to a different standard than you? They're going to. <laughs> um, use it as a gospel opportunity. You're obviously different than them. All right. And the, the topic is going to come up. Why don't you do X, Y, Z? Well, here's why I don't do it because I love Jesus and this is what he's done for me. Um, as it's, it's a, it becomes a gospel opportunity with a, with a lost person. So what do you do about different preferences? 
you follow your conscience and defer to the strictest person standard, very similar that to standards, but in preferences, you're going to follow your own conscience. Um, first Corinthians eight, seven through 12. All right. Um, I won't read those all right here, but the point is that you're not supposed to use your freedom in Christ to offend somebody just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. So the purpose isn't to offend other people. Um, the purpose is to live your life for Christ. All right. Lastly, uh, we have different standards. We have different preferences. We have different convictions. How do you deal with that with kids? Because our kids are meeting other Christians, meeting lost people who do things differently. Why is that person wearing a hijab? You know, just kind of those kind of things come up. I think our kids too um, can see through a facade. And if your convictions or your standards or your preferences are something that you hold to for fear of man, um, because you are, you know, um, trying to have a perfectionism or, um, you know, a holier than thou attitude, your kids are going to see through that. Yep. And you're going to get the question, why? And the worst thing you can do is because I said so, or because the church said, or because the pastor said so. No matter or, what your reason is for any of these, you'll, you're going to get the question why. Yeah. And it's going to happen for the entire time. I mean, ours, our kid's only six and she's probably asked us that over a million times. But you times. want the question you know? why. It's you a know, good question. If, if we are trying to parent biblically, we want that question. We don't want to shy away from that because again, like Simeon said, it's a wonderful opportunity to be like, okay, open the Bible. This is why we've made this choice. And our kids are really young um, right now. And so most of the time, our simple answer is enough. Um, occasionally, the question probes, especially with our oldest, the question probes deeper. Um, most of the time, our surface answer is enough with our kids. But as they get older, the surface answer is going to be acceptable less and less and less. They're going to want to know why. Do we have scripture for this or not? And the best thing to do is to be totally open and honest. Yes, this is a conviction and I can prove it. Here's where it is. Or no, this is a standard that we've set for our family because this is our conviction and this is why we don't do X, Y, Z. So one of the things that we talked about beforehand was um, we don't allow our kids to stay overnight at someone else's house um, for sleepovers and stuff. That's something that we do. That is a standard that we have as our family. Do we believe it is sinful for someone to stay at someone else's house overnight? No, we can't find that in the Bible, but we can show that we have a biblical command to protect our children um, and to teach them what's right. We can't control the environment at somebody else's house, even the people that we trust the most. You know, we can't control the environment at that person's house. So we have set up a standard for our home that our children don't stay at someone else's house. Now, someday our kids are going to ask us, how come everybody else does sleepovers and we don't? I'm not going to be able to pull out a Bible and say, thou shalt not sleep at someone else's house. But I have to be honest with my kids and say, listen, this isn't something that the Bible specifically says, but your mom and I have a commandment from God to protect our children and to teach them um, the right way to live. And that's just an environment that we don't have control over as parents. We're not trying to micromanage their lives or anything, but it's just a standard that we've set up for our home to help protect our children. And as long as they know that we're not calling that gospel truth, I think they can accept that and they can move. They may not hold that for their own family, 
but that's something that we've set up for ours. I think sometimes too, we do not think that our children are capable of understanding um, things that they truly are capable of understanding. I, we can tell, especially our older two, that, hey, mom and dad have a stewardship responsibility over you guys and our family. We answer to God for you. Um, so this is a choice that we've made because we feel like it is in the best alignment of our stewardship. I know something that just came to mind here. You know, sometimes these can be difficult conversations to have and things to navigate through uh, when, you know, it's, it's easy when you're comparing what we do as a Christian family to maybe a lost world. But when you're comparing your Christian family and your kids saying, well, so-and-so goes to church and sits beside me in Sunday school and is, is a great Christian family, but they have a different standard or they have a different preference. How do you navigate those things? For example, We do not participate in Halloween in any form or fashion. There's an episode on that. I'll link it in the comments if you want to listen to that. Um, But we had to have that conversation with our oldest as she was realizing um, there are Christians that choose to participate in that. Um, So what is our answer? How do we come to that with her? Um, And it was just something as simple as for our family, we believe based on scripture and based on the celebration of the holiday, how it is celebrated, um, that it does not bring glory to Christ. And so we have chosen as a family to not participate in that because we do not feel that it brings glory to Christ. So I, th- I think the main thing with kids is honesty, clarity, and um, being upfront with them. If you don't have Bible for it, solid Bible for it, it's okay to tell them that. It's okay to say, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not about this particular thing, but it does say this or that, and you can point to different principles throughout Scripture, and you say, okay, so this is why our family has this particular rule. Um, But that also allows them to have grace on other people who maybe don't hold to that same particular thing. Um, How do you explain these things to your kids? The best thing, I think, is to explain it to them by the work of the Holy Spirit in your own life. Rather than saying, look at that person, they ruined their life, or look at that person, they're doing something wrong, or look at that person, don't use other people as examples. Use yourself. Well, the reality is I have no stewardship over Johnny and Sally and their home and their parents and the decisions that they make. My stewardship domain is the Brazel household right here. Um, and, and I think that is important to, to not, there's going to be some comparison, especially as your kids are trying to figure this out and people do things differently and they have friendships. Um, but to bring that back to our family, this is where God has given us the responsibility. This is the choice that we make between us and God. I think the last thing that I'll say on it is just this, be prepared to be wrong into change. Um, especially with kids, because as you're, as you're growing in Christ and they're growing up, their problems and their temptations and their influences are going to change from the time that they're six to the time that they're 16. Um, does that mean that your convictions are going to change? Probably not unless you're holding some convictions that are incorrect now. Um, 
but your standards and your preferences are probably going to shift some as you get older for one. And as, as they're finding new things and they're running into new things, their lives are going to enlighten you as well, because they're going to be running into challenges and things. And I mean, goodness, how much has the world changed from the time I was a kid until now? I mean, things that we have to, conviction's always been there, but things that we have to have standards and preferences for that weren't even, I mean, goodness, here recently, I just did an episode on pornography. I mean, that wasn't as big on the radar when we were little, like my preschoolers now. Um, But now we have to have standards and preferences in place for these things because it is so much a part of our world. And someday our kids may think that those things are crazy and there will be things that they think are crazy and there will be things that they think we were too loose on. Um, That's just a fact of being a parent because we're never going to do it right. But at some point, I guarantee you, hopefully later rather than sooner, one of my kids is going to ask me a question about why we do something the way we do, and I'm not going to have a good answer. And I'm going to have to stop, and I'm going to have to think about it, and I'm going to have to pray through it, and I may have to change it. And I have to be willing to recognize that I'm not perfect, and that perhaps somebody else is right about something. Like Simeon said earlier, too, though, I would rather in 20 years look at my child and say, I'm sorry that I held to something that might have been a little over the top, that was too high, um, where we have realized maybe maybe that wasn't uh, exactly the way it should have went or lined up. Um, I'd much rather apologize for that than to come to them and apologize and say, we should have safeguarded these areas. We should have made these decisions as a family is a corporate unit to try to, like we said earlier, obey, glorify, and grow, but we did not. I, I would rather apologize on the other end than come back with a regretful spirit. And we all fail. None of us are perfect. I, I'm sure there's going to be so many things that I'll regret one day. Um, but I hope that having low to low of standards and preferences um, is not going to be one of them. I'm going to finish with this one last um, verse because I think it's a key to understanding the scripture and how we're supposed to deal with other people. And we're supposed to be like Christ. It says this in John 1.14, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. And it describes Jesus this way, full of grace and truth. We can hold to our convictions because they're the truth, but even the things that we differ with other people on, on even the most bedrock things we need to address with grace, especially even more so with things that are standards or personal preferences. We need to have even more grace on those things. The convictions, we know we're right because we can base it on the Bible and we can stand firm on those things. But if we teach those things without grace, we're not going to help anybody. How much more then should we have grace on the things that are standards that are still based on scripture, but they're not bedrock solid things or our preferences, which are just things that we've set up for our own selves. And yet throughout church history, and some of this was taking place when I was a kid, there are people who are judging you and judging others based on their own personal preferences rather than what's actually in the scripture. And they're living their life with very, very little grace. We must address other people with grace. If you're dealing with things with your kids and with other families in your church, 
the first thing we should go to, yes, is the truth. But Jesus was known as a person who was full of grace and truth. I think, too, our personal responsibility, we need to make Christ big in our lives. The the bigger he becomes, uh, our pastor in Tennessee always says that the fear of God relieves all lesser fears. So much of, I think, convictions and standards and preferences is rooted in the fear of man. We're concerned, what are others going to think about us? How are they going to judge our Christianity? Um, what are they uh, going to think about the way that we're raising our children? We need to fear the Lord uh, above all, uh, of fear him only, not fear man. But I think I thought of the song as I was just thinking about that and closing all of this in just letting Christ be preeminent in your life. Um, the song says, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I think a lot of um, our squabbles over these issues would just dissipate if we all took our personal responsibility for our walk with Christ, for our marriages and for our homes and our, the raising of our children and just sought to, to bring the Lord glory in the lives that he has given us. Alrighty. So we, uh, we pray that this was helpful for you and that, um, we have helped you to be able to categorize some things in your heart and mind. And, uh, I, I would suggest that you take some time and work through what you really have strong convictions about. And as you hear things, try and kind of mentally categorize things for yourself so that you know how to address it with other people. And uh, we pray that that's been helpful for you. We've put a lot of thought into it and um, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, thank you for listening. I hope that the No Higher Calling podcast has been a blessing to you. If so, please subscribe, share with your friends, and engage with me on Instagram at nohighercalling underscore. You can also subscribe to receive the No Higher Calling encouragement email on my website, which is www.nohighercalling.org. This includes podcast notes, what I'm reading, spiritual encouragement, a glimpse into my home, and some of my favorite products and resources. You can also enjoy more content on the No Higher Calling YouTube channel. I pray that this podcast will encourage you to follow more in love with Jesus and to be the Christian woman he's called you to be. Thanks for listening.